Missing the Wiggly Podcast. Mondays are just not the same without Heather and family. I've been listening to the Wiggly Wigglers podcast every week in the bath, relaxing with a glass of wine since since 2005 when I built my first iPod. I really enjoy their chatter and pick up some useful information. I have bought live mealworms regularly to fill the window feeders, also bought from the Wiggly Wigglers catalogue, which is a very good read. Keep up the good work. I look forward to the podcast returning soon, I hope. And that is by CS Post Office. There we are. Thank you, CS Post Office. And today, 21st of April, I can't quite read my watch because my eyesight's gone. (laughs) 21st of April, we're recording the very next Wiggly podcast. I think it's time for our yip and holler team. Woo! Michael, you didn't yip or holler. Well, I'm sounding like Barry White, so I'm, I'm foreclosed <laughs> from yipping and or hollering. I'm pleased to say you're not looking like Barry White anyway. <laughs> Ladies. <laughs> well, we're very pleased to be back, and we are sat right in amongst the Wiggly Garden, and those flowers over there, Rach, are called... Grandmother's Bonnets. Aquilegia. Columbine. That's what they're called. How come they've got three names, then? Oh, sorry about that. How come they've got three names? Because they originated from the columbine and there's 27 different types of columbine. The Latin word columba means dove. Gosh, and it's how because informative they, you are. And it's because they're shaped like a dove. Could you just go and get one, Rach? I will go and get one now. One moment. Right. Um, I haven't seen many doves look like that. I don't that. think I've ever yeah. seen a purple dove. <laughs> no, no. Let me just see. <laughs> it's from the word dove. Um, well, they're pretty. They're, they're lovely. lovely. Absolutely. And they seed in the garden beautifully. Yep. In this week's show, we've got the answer to the question. Oh, a skylark? Mm. We're interrupting this show for a recording live of a skylark. That's good, isn't it? That's one that my intensive, horrible farming hasn't done for. Oh, isn't that nice? Yeah. Mm. Which one is it? Boris. No, which one, which sound is it? <laughs> There's two birds. It's the one that's... Yeah, the one that's going... Dee, 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 dee. <laughs> wow. It chirps and sings. Well, there we are. That's nice. On this week's show, we'll find out where we have been for the last, what, ten weeks? Maybe twelve weeks? I'm also wondering where our swallows have got to. We've got them at our house. We Mine haven't come, back come yet. We haven't back got to the any, and we've got no martins yet. And Rob said he's got one pair that he thinks came from last year because they knew where to go to nest, but he's sorely short. Might be a reflection of the winter, don't know. Dear listener, let us know, are your swallows, have they arrived yet? Are your house martins And the cuckoo. Form? Don't forget the cuckoo. We'll also hear about Rach's retriever classes. Can't wait for those. I wonder what she's retrieving. We've been trying to train her for years, probably 20 years. Well, when I finish, Phil, I'll pass you on the tips. (laughs) Can't wait for that. But first of all, Farmer Phil, we need to be brought up to date on the bovine TB issue, which when we left our dear listeners in December was all okey-cokey, and then since then, all hell's broken loose. (laughs) Well, it's got very complicated because the rules have changed, but actually, as of this morning, it seems to be resolving itself. 
We had a test back in, whole herd test back in November, which threw up one inconclusive reactor. And then we retested that inconclusive reactor in late December and she became a reactor. And that meant that we were shut down and she had to go to be slaughtered. Now that was a waste of a perfectly good bulling heifer. Yeah, but you did get compensation. We did get compensation. And it was for more than she was worth? Uh, probably not in her case, because she was a, an in-calf heifer due to calve this spring, so she was one of the future of the herd, if you like. Oh, I see. So you missed the calf as well. So I missed the calf as well, and I missed the fact that it, she was one of my replacement cows. But the good news, if you like, was that she had no lesions, and they then subsequently try and culture TB in the lab on agar plates, and they couldn't, which meant she didn't have TB. So well, she was killed... And she didn't have TB? No. So how did she react? Well, she'd probably seen TB. She'd been exposed to it. It's quite a complicated relationship between how the test works and whether they actually contract it. But you will take out some that haven't got it, and it's not to say that she wouldn't have got it later on. But at that point, she hadn't got it. So in the interim, we did another whole herd test, which threw up three what are called inconclusive reactors, which are like halfway house. Now, under the old regime, we would have had to test the whole herd again and keep going. But as it is now, we are in the situation that the whole herd is under restriction, but we only have to test those three animals again, and if they pass, we're then clear. In amongst that, we have managed to get a licence to move the current group of calves that we need to move up to Wills, up to Will Morgans, where they will be put into isolation and monitored but because we don't go through any markets and they'll go straight to the abattoir from there, they're reasonably happy that we're not spreading the disease around. And, of course, none of those calves are... They've tested clear, so they weren't any of the inconclusives. But it's all a bit complicated and it's all very tedious. How depressing is it? Well, it's totally depressing because, politically, nothing's being done about it. No, I meant how depressing is it having a herd with TB? Does it really matter, you know, in the overall scheme of things, if you can still sell cattle and if the cattle are well, still we, being compensated, the, the point, the point really, is, how bad is the it? The point is that we can't just sell cattle. We have to go on bended knee to plead with them to let us move cattle, in our case, store cattle, off the premises. And they're quite likely to say no, particularly if we got TB proper, then they would say no. And since all our neighbours have got TB proper, we know we're living a knife-edged life. And our problem is that within six months we would have more cattle than we've got food for, which becomes very interesting then. Right, do you sense everyone in our area is just sick and tired of TB? Or oh, is definitely. They're definitely fed up with it. What do you do? And why is, wasn't it being sorted out faster by the Ministry? I went to a conference just after Christmas where they've got a test area near Stroud in Gloucestershire, which is a number of square kilometres with about 25 badger sets and a known TB problem within the area. And over 10 years, they've caught all the badgers from all the sets. So they've caught about 1,300 badgers about 10,000 times over 10 years. And every time they catch a badger, they blood test it, tag it and carry on. So they know intimately the population. Of those 25 sets, how many do you think have got TB? I've no idea, Phil. Four. And that's an area that is rife with TB. All cattle have got TB, everything, and it's coming from the badgers, provably. 
but the point was that the same four sets had got the TB. So if you managed to identify those four sets and took out the four sets, end of problem, 20 sets healthy. Wow. And that was yeah. their report and figures. That wasn't any pressure group or anything. And the comment from the head of the Badger Trust, who was at the same conference, when I stood up and said, if we can identify the sets, would you, the Badger Trust, go along with taking out TB infested sets? He said, that would be totally acceptable to the Badger Trust. Now you tell me why there is a political issue mm. on it. We have the solution. All we've got to do is to finalise the test to and find so out those sets. so much better for the Badger than being cold. I hate that word. I hate the mm. idea that we're going to go around just wiping out badgers because we don't fancy it. You know, we don't like what they've got. But I hadn't realised that, you know, four sets out of 25 in a long-term area, those badgers had all crossed intermingled, but they weren't transferring the disease. And yet we're told by those who want to make a political issue, we've got to cull all the badgers, we've got to do this, that and the other, and it's just plain wrong. And I'll give you another little political nugget, that one of the reasons that the government cannot, at this point, um, issue a thing to gas a set that has got TB is because some numpty, some many years ago, decided that gassing a badger set was cruel and should be outlawed, and so there is a little piece of law on the statute book which says you can never gas a badger set, so that until they change that law, they can't actually address the problem, and they're going along the things of trapping them, vaccinating them, which is a complete waste of time, because how the hell do you know you've got them all? And more importantly, if you vaccinate a diseased animal, what's the point of that? You've just masked it. What do you think, dear Wiggly listener? Tweet us if you want to, at Phil without an E, or at Wiggles, or you can email us. We'd love to hear from you. Sam, what I want to know is if this dear listener, just the one, is listening, a Monday in April, we've got a competition going. Can you give me the details so that they can enter? We have. We've got a competition to win a stay at Woodpecker Way, which is in Eton Manor. Which is in Shropshire. And I've been. It's lovely. Absolutely lovely. This Nuffield scholar called Nicola Maidley has converted all these outbuildings into the most amazing holiday cottages and sort of manor houses. So lots of people go there for a hen party. Wow. So you go there and you have like 15 people and a chef comes round and does you a beautiful dinner in the evening. There's the British archery teams, whatever you call an archery course, pitch. Range. Range. (laughs) (laughs) Where the British archery team practice and the scenery is fabulous. I went there on the most miserable day and it was still lovely and you wiggle your way there down tiny country lanes and you're sort of in an oasis, but near enough to go shopping in Shrewsbury and whatever. Anyway, carry on. Sounds a good place. Basically, it's a midweek break at the Woodpecker Way, which is the smallest of the Eaton Manor properties. Yeah, that one's only for a couple of people, or there's an option, isn't there? There is. You can have £250 discount off a midweek break at any of the larger buildings. The midweek breaks run from Monday 4pm till Friday 10am. And entry is simple, there's an entry form on our website. Okay, and do we know what the questions are? 
No. Professionalism. <laughs> Not off the top of my head. No. Professionalism has just gone to ratchet. I wonder if Michael sent them me. You sent them to me. Did I? <laughs> no, Michael made them up. <laughs> Here they are. Here we go. What sort of straw can help keep your pond clear? Oh. No, do Yes, because Father Phil grows it, don't you? Then you steal it. No. Oh. Hmm. Moving on. Oh. What colour are borage flowers? They are not purple before you think they are. And what do you mix nemeslug with when you apply it? Other than slugs. Very good. <laughs> Rach, you are going to the retriever classes. We are. But I is going <laughs> to the wedding. Come on, come on. Listen, well. listener. That's how thick the card is. <laughs> The Lord Chamberlain is commanded by the Queen to invite Mr and Mrs Philip Gorringe to the marriage of His Royal Highness Prince William of Wales, KG, Knight of the Garter, with Miss Catherine Middleton at Westminster Abbey, Friday the 29th of April 2011 at 11am. Dress, uniform... That be uh, your... I think uh, Tim Teague and I have discussed this and we think that our uniform may not be appropriate. Morning coat or lounge suit. And I have a new frock from Cherry Savage, thank you very much. And I'd like to just tell you the story of Farmer Phil and what he was suggesting he may wear to the future King of England's <laughs> wedding. You mean he didn't have a morning suit? He did. Huh. He had the morning suit that he wore to our wedding, which he bought secondhand from the Lady magazine. How long have you been married? We've been married 19 years and he had the suit for well before then. So, I did point out to him that I felt he may have thickened a little <laughs> since that point. But no, no, he was adamant it was all fine because his dad had thickened a little more and passed on his morning suit trousers. OK. So, he came down the stairs on a Saturday with approximately one millimetre of dust on the shoulder of his morning coat. <laughs> and he seemed to be standing strangely. And his morning coat sort of held him backwards in a sort of pose, pushing his chest feathers out. And it's the best bit of all was the trousers, which came up just below his nipples. <laughs> Simon Cowell trousers. They were perfect. trousers. And he said, and I quote, I think this will be all right, Hev. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Any comments, Father Phil? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from anything, he wouldn't be able to stretch his right arm or his left arm out at any one point of time. Anyway, I sent him to Edward Pritchard's. It's all sorted. He's hiring a suit. So, if you are watching the telly with the two billion other people on Friday the 29th, look out for us. There'll be a little bit of straw out of Farmer Phil's mouth <laughs> with his morning coat. You, have you got a top hat? No. Right, so but no Farmer, top hat. Farmer Kit has suggested that Tesco's are doing T-shirts at the moment that say marry me instead, so I might have one of them on. <laughs> Sam has been my advisor on the frock, so I will be in black and white... With a fascinator. It is a fascinator. Yeah, with some netty things. A black yeah. and white fleck dress, isn't it? Yes. Fleck yeah. It's dress. a bit worrying this morning that herself was trying her fascinator on and discussing which way up it was supposed to go. <laughs> and it then became apparent that she had her shirt on inside out. 
I am a little concerned that uh, we may have an incident. I can just imagine the fashion correspondent on the BBC saying, and here comes Mrs. Gollins. Oh, dear, she's got her blouse on. <laughs> well, actually, when I went to your shooting Christmas party, we'd been there for half an hour, and I saw some people laughing gently in the distance, allegedly at my back. And after some other more time, Phil came back with a drink and he said, your jumper's on inside out and the label's showing. I was like, oh, no, why didn't you say before? Anyway, where have we been? That's what everyone wants to know. Could, well, could I, I can... just have a time scale of what time you've got to be at the... Oh, yes, um, of course, Rach. The detail. Yeah, the, the detail. The just, just to well, see detail. The really good thing is that Monty and I went up to London the other day and decided that we'd go and check out Westminster Abbey. And we didn't go in because it was £16.50 each and he preferred to go to the Science Museum. So the first thing is that we uh, saved our money. And the second thing is we won't have to pay on the day, I don't think. <laughs> um, we're in the North Nave and we've got to be there before 9.45 and after 8.15. So, turn left after you've gone through the big doors. So we're going to turn left as we go in, Michael said. <laughs> I, I expect there'll be a few hushes that day. There might be someone to show you that will help you on your way. I'm just hoping that I'll be between Elton and Bex. That's the thing. That's the but point. it is a huge mm. honour and, you know, fantastic. I don't know any other tenants that are going, but the dress shop said three other women have been in from Herefordshire that are going. And the one is wearing all red. So I don't know who that is, but there we are. There's limited facilities. So not too, not too many coffees. No, no. no. got to go very steady. Yes. And we're not going to the reception, so presumably... Get a taxi home. Yeah, taxi okay. home. Yeah. We've asked Dave the cabbie. So if you're listening, Dave, where are you? Because we've asked you to take us to the do if you're about. Anyway, so, Rach, what I want to know about is... Puppy retriever classes. Oh, right, great. My favourite thing at the moment <laughs> is I've joined the Hereford Retriever Club and they've just started the puppy retriever classes. Not before time. <laughs> well, I think I'll be passing on information to Phil for his two labs here, one which is fast asleep by the side of me. Wait a minute. The nature of the beast is that it goes and gets things. I know this yes. because... Every single day, Toast brings me in X amount of stones, which yeah. I worked out over a year would be 7,160, which I then worked out was, in fact, a JCB bucket full. That's fantastic. Yeah. But she's for retrie gun dog for retrieves in pheasants um, rather than stones. I think. <laughs> she only retrieves stones in the absence of pheasants okay. in the close season. That's wonderful, that's wonderful. So when you go out on a shoot, it is always nice to see controlled dogs. And I'm not just saying um, one that is on a lead, it's nice to have them off a lead and they're walking to heel by your legs. Rach has been envious of mine, obviously. <laughs> I've seen Farmer Phil's and this is why I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you get to the shoot, if your dog is running all over the place, it's an embarrassment. You've got to have it under control, preferably without a lead, at your heel. So that when a pheasant is shot from the sky and it lands in the field, your dog is told to go and fetch it rather than it just tearing off across the field and running all over the place and fetching it when somebody else may have sent their dog to fetch it. So you're saving it legs, his legs a little bit as well. And so um, that's what and I want own. to do. I want my dog to be controlled out in the field. And that's what I'm planning on doing. So this week's class was getting it to walk to heel. 
getting her to sit and then walk away from her only a few steps but she's got to stay in that position until you walk back to her again and then greet her can you do that already i can do that with jam sometimes ah Did sometimes you, you can <laughs> sometimes you, get a you can't discount rate for your um pack <laughs> no it's a retriever club so you can't take your spaniel or your, your oh, crossbred oh. or anything. it's your a retriever club so no is no. that a golden retriever club or Ret- a... retrievers can be chocolate labs black labs golden retriever there's a golden retriever in our class all Labradors or Labrador Labs. Retrievers. Yeah, there's long-coated Retrievers, short-coated Retrievers, there's curly all sorts coated. curly-coated, there's all sorts of Retrievers there, and it's only for Retrievers, and there was various... Is it only for Retrievers? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there was various classes there, so if Phil still wanted to join and felt that his dog was higher than the ability that I'm in, there are classes there that are going on that are for dogs that are at a different stage. I feel an internal wiggly competition coming on yeah. Yeah, at the start <laughs> yeah, of yeah. the shoot season. Anyway, yes. our listeners want to know, where have we been? Where have we been? It's been winter. We've been tucked away. It's been <laughs> too cold to go out. <laughs> the sun been, is here. We haven't been anywhere, really. We've been busy bunnies, busy bunnies, but really, we don't want to bore you with our podcast. We don't want to be repeating ourselves. So we figured it would be a good idea to have a really good break and come back afresh. But the thing is, you've been playing up. I mean, the amount of emails that I've had in playing up saying, where's this, where's that? Ian, you got even got a bit stroppy, didn't you, Ian? <laughs> <laughs> saying, where are you? This is outrageous. Have you got pod fade? Well, the thing is, team, sometimes if there's nothing worth saying, it's better shut up. Did you know? I just hear that right? Yeah. <laughs> Heather said that. Hmm. Record that, Michael. We will print it up and put it on the wall. <laughs> right, OK, here we go. So, before we go, we must answer future Gillian on Twitter's question. She wants to know the following. She says, please, can you fix my composter? Can you go round, Rach? She says, uh, she's been composting for about five years. She layers it with green and brown waste. It's full of worms and ants, but the bottom is not fully composted yet. All advice, much appreciated. Has she got any air in the bottom of it? So this is air and bacteria. If that was my composting, after five years, I'd just dig out the stuff that's ready done, and there must be loads if there's worms in it. Mm. And I would aerate the bottom, save some of the worms, and start again, wouldn't you? Yeah, Mm. definitely. I'd try and get rid of the ants a bit. Yeah, they're not really... I mean, they do decompose, but they're bad for your worm eggs, mm. as most people know. Maybe if you just stir about it... getting rid of those in a compost heap, then. Well, if you keep stirring it up, you're disturbing the nest, aren't you? And so, eventually, they give they're, they're going to give up, aren't they? I think, in that case, I would just harvest it. But if you really wanted to carry on with it, I'd get a compost aerator. Mm. Unless you're really up for turning the heap. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You really haven't yeah. got anything better to do than... <laughs> Dig out your compost heap. You can dig it out, put the bottom on the top, and the, and the job is solved. Yeah, or use one of those aerators, which screws into the bottom, and then you'll make your worms some lovely tracks to follow, and they'll gradually spread it out. But the real thing to say is, it's not failing. It's absolutely fine. If your heap is full of worms, and you've been adding waste for five years, I can assure you, if it wasn't composting, you'd have the biggest pile on the planet. So not to worry too much. Rach, we've got some new fire pits and lids in. We have, yeah, to go with the uh, Cotlet range, the Balkans range, I should say. Picked them up this morning, a lovely little fire pit 
be up on the website soon. You'd and have a to lid. Go with this sunny weather. It's amazing. Yeah, it's that's, that's on the beach, isn't it? And, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, in the garden. And... Yeah, Watergate Bay used our cottage for their summer 2011 catalogue and they took the most fabulous picture of the cottage on a night down in Cornwall at Watergate Bay. It's where Jamie Oliver's got his 15 restaurants. Ah. And it looks fantastic. Yeah. Sounds to me like a piece of Farmer Phil's steak. A glass oh. of cider and out in the garden of an evening, really. That's that, one, that's that equipment, isn't it? Yeah. Next week, we'll find out what this lack of rain has done to Farmer Phil's fields and our garden. Farmer Phil will be letting the cattle out on the show and lots more. So, until then, bye from me. Bye from me. Bye from me. And bye from me. <laughs> <laughs>